Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. From the pub to the pulpit. That's where we're going this morning. And to help us get there, I have two special guests with a great story to tell. Simon and Tasha Archer join me after this uplifting morning hymn, Christ whose glory fills the skies, Christ the true, the only light. The St. Michael Singers and Charles Wesley's composition, Christ Whose Glory Fills the Skies. Later in the programme, there'll be music from the Porter's Gate Project, and my thanks to Kath Pryor for recommending them to me. And so to our guests today. The Anglican churches in Arbury and Castletown have a new priest in charge. He's Reverend Simon Archer, and he's recently moved to the island with his wife Tasha and their four children but many people with no connection to the Isle of Man also know him as the Gaming Vicar. We'll find out exactly why later in the conversation, but let's fill in some background. Simon and his wife Tasha are both from Raynham, a small commuter town in south-east Kent, where both sets of parents still live. I wondered if maybe they'd been childhood sweethearts. Not at all, no. <laughs> we met in a pub. In a past life, well, I worked in a pub. I was the licensee and landlord. I've been a doorman there and a DJ. We were both uh, the other side of the bar, enjoying the bar at one point. Uh, but very soon, we became landlord and landlady. So we'd both be behind the bar and occasionally I'd be working the door. It was a pub which had a, a, a nightclub license. This is a number of years ago. when Pubs used to close at 11 o'clock, so we had a, a late license. So I sometimes used to work the door with doorman and Tasha would be behind the bar. It, it's a pretty good preparation for anything you might want to do. 
Yes, I think with a pub like ours, which is more like a family and a community, it was pretty rough. But it was that we'd have people who come in the daytime. Older gentlemen regularly, every day at the same time. They'd be there for company. Then you'd have people through the day who'd been working, maybe people who were coming in because they were kind of relaxed after they'd had, had a tough day. It's ministry, really. So you'd look after them. Yes. But you'd also celebrate and have fun. And uh, we had a really mixed crowd in there, didn't we? It really was. All, all, all sorts. And so working on the door meant you dealt with confrontation and difficult situations. And uh, diplomacy was very important. So, the leap from <laughs> landlord and landlady, you could see this question coming, couldn't yes, you? Yes, of course. Into the church, how did that happen? It wasn't a direct leap, shall we say. Well, I, I would say it's when I became a Christian again. We were in the pub and Tasha was pregnant with our first child and we, we lost that child and uh, it was a really difficult time. But it was in that moment that I found I was angry with God and it was one of those moments you go, I'm angry with God, oh, hold on. I believe in God. And uh, I had that moment where I uh, had this moment of revelation and also of comfort and uh, felt calmed, if you like. And I ended up popping to the church. Funny enough, opposite the pub was a church, as it seems to always be the case. And the, sort of the next day I went over to the church and met with some people in there and just said, would you mind if I just sit here for a bit? And they did. And they didn't harass me or try to talk to me or they they just left me to it. They could clearly see that I needed a bit of time. And, and it kind of started there, really, wasn't it? That journey back into faith. And, and then it's many, many years later, after being quite happily in a, a, another job and enjoying what I was doing that someone mentioned to me that perhaps I should become a priest and that was a bit of a shock but I'd say that was a good 10 years later maybe. Had you been brought up in a Christian household? Were you a church-going family? I I was a baptised Methodist. My parents took me to Sunday school and they went to church. Uh, They kind of dropped away a little bit. But I went to a Church of England school, St Margaret's in Rainham, and it had the church, St Margaret's Church, not quite next door, but very close. And so we had the regular assemblies. And it was always a case of whatever I did to avoid church, somehow I got involved with it. So I'd end up in the choir because they they noticed I was quite loud. I mean... Surely, surely not. But, uh, you know, notice I had a bit of a voice on me. So I, I remember one time being asked to perform in a little play at the front of church. And I had nothing to do with the church particularly, apart from being in the school. But again, because I was quite loud, they decided that I'd be have the right vocals for it. So and then into secondary school, I had to pay a penance for skipping a lesson by being forced by my head of year to... Uh, uh, joined the school choir there so it was a, a kind of a payoff it was either detention instead of detention I had to join the choir and so I just kept getting pulled backwards and, and forwards to church whether I, I, I kind of liked it or not and there was always that connection there always. Tasha did, did you have a, a similar kind of background as a, as, a, as a basic Christian upbringing? No not at all my parents never attended church unless it was for a family occasion My grandparents were Christians and they even um, ran a Sunday school from their own home when there was no provision for that in their local area. And I think I was influenced by my grandparents more. I had a Bible growing up and I read it myself through my own choice, but I didn't actually attend church regularly when I was young. It was um, when we got together and started going as a family was when I, you know, was going on regular basis and attending and enjoying it. And that's basically when it started for us. So, coming back to you, Simon, 
isn't it interesting that somebody said to you, how about being a priest? Mm, so clear, yes. clearly somebody could see something. I think it's often a very common story, actually. We have different gifts and uh, some have the gift of discernment. And I was doing a school assemblies and I was helping to lead in church and doing the readings and prayers. And well, the vicar had quite a few churches, so he'd get me to start off the service until he could get there from the other church. And, and I just loved doing that. And quite happily, we had a nice big house. I had a nice job and it was that experience of actually on that day it was after a service that I'd done a few things in it was actually three people that came up to you one after another completely separately and I thought they'd got their heads together about it mm. but once they, the third person came up to me and said I think you should be a vicar I, I didn't sleep for about three days and all I kept doing was looking at my bible and trying to look for something and then searching the internet for reasons why I couldn't be a vicar <laughs> I searched for good reasons why I was too old too uneducated something something must must give so, Tasha, when Simon came in and said, three people have just suggested that I become a vicar, what did you think? It wasn't that shocking to me, and I, I think I must have felt something myself along the same sort of... We were in church together, and everyone, you know, we approached him after the service, and I wasn't shocked at all. And we had all four children at that point, yeah. didn't we? But this is the thing. Everyone says this to me. Uh, Tasha said it to me. My mum said it to me. They go, oh, I always knew. <laughs> I said, Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> But it must have been a lifestyle change for you. Yeah, it was. What it meant was I could do the thing that I loved doing anyway, which was sort of serving the community. As I say, I did some stuff in schools. Um, we had a drop-in for youth. And all the things that I loved doing was, was actually something that I was going to com- be able to commit all my time to. But we, we never lived high-flying lives, did we? We, we no. quite liked the simple life. And so we didn't have to cut, cut our cloth too much for that. So where did you study? So I was at Ripon College, Cudston, just outside of Oxford. So uh, it was really exciting and interesting and a different world for our children as well, running around the grounds of this great big college because we lived on the college and a, and a flat on actually there. So One of the decisions we had to make was whether or not Simon would be residential Monday to Friday while he was studying and leave the family where they were or for all of us to pack up and go and live with him on campus. And that's what we decided to that's do. That's what we did, yeah. So after ordination then, your first parish was? I was at Christ Church in Erith, which is an urban priority area. It's Greater London. So it's a pretty tough area. It wasn't where I expected to go. You get these forms to fill in when you're you're looking for a curacy and it says, oh, where, what sort of areas would you be willing to do your curacy? And obviously it's like you'd be called anywhere. But I just said, places I've had experiences, everything except urban areas, because I've never done urban. So not there. And my daughter has arthritis, she has juvenile idiopathic arthritis. And we said, just not in, and not in a curiosity house with too many stairs. You know, normal stairs, fine. So what do we do? We end up in an urban priority area in a townhouse. For a moment, I did wonder whether they were trying to get rid of me. It wasn't the case. And as it turned out, it became one of the most amazing experiences I've ever been in this really diverse community and uh, quite a big church. It became more challenging later because my training convent left before I was even priested. For good reasons, she became the archdeacon. She's now Bishop of Birkenhead, Julie Connolty. Fantastic, fantastic teacher. Uh, I learned a lot from her in the, the time she was there. Uh, but it also threw me at the deep end in looking after a church for the next couple of years on my own as the curate. How did you feel, Tasha? You're now the, the vicar's wife. And the, the sometimes there can be an expectation that you're the bolt on to the vicar. Oh, lovely. Yes. The vicar has a wife. She'll be able to... Exactly. I, in fact, what, that was one of the first things I said when it was definite that we were going. I said, I will not bake. I will not join any committees and I will not flower arrange. And I've done all of them so far except the flower arranging. And, and even that I dabbled in slightly. I do sometimes feel a little offended if I see people that I've not seen for a really 
really long time and I tell them that I'm a vicar's wife and they find it so hilarious and I'm quite insulted by that. (laughs) (laughs) Or then the other side of that when people say to me, oh, I don't think you're a typical vicar's wife and I find that quite a big compliment because, you know, I'm still me and he wasn't a vicar when I married him. So he was was a a pub landlord. (laughs) (laughs) But she has been a huge rock for me and and for the family and, and the fact that she supported me in my ministry has meant very much I've been very conscious of supporting her in the things that she does as well. It's really important that it's balanced like that because she's just as busy as I am. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the are the feet with which he walks yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world yours are the hands My guests this morning Reverend Simon Archer and his wife Tasha, who've recently moved to the island following Simon's appointment as priest in charge of the Anglican churches in Arbury and Castletown. They also have a family of four. Yeah, four children. Ethan is our eldest. He's uh, 20. He's currently at Aberystwyth University studying uh, accountancy, economics and finance. Uh, He's got a real maths brain. The next one along is Amy, who's about to turn 17. And she is at the University College and she is studying art. And we then have two at Castle Russian, uh, Grace, who is... 14 and Jacob who's 13 Grace is just starting her her GCSE kind of study times and they're they're all doing their thing and they're they're all quite settled Uh, but yeah they're they're a good bunch of kids really they're really quite adventurous so how do they like having dad the vicar they don't mind it's never really been a problem of it I'm really I'm, I'm really again very fortunate very blessed to have children who are supportive of what I do as well Grace is in the choir at uh, the cathedral now so she's come from a choir where we were from and she's now at one of the choristers there just uh, started uh, about six weeks ago Jake will come along and, and help out with a few things at services Amy's on that moment in teenage years where she's not sure what she wants she's definitely a Christian but she's not sure where she wants to be or what she wants to do with that. She's strong about her faith, but she's exploring, which is a great thing to do as a teenager, and she needs to have that freedom to do that. So we we don't twist their arms and drag them to church on a Sunday with us. But they get involved, and they get involved in the important things. In my last parish, we had quite a lot of homeless people around, and they'd have made them sandwiches and meals and taken care of people who came to the door and look out for people, and, and I thought that was far more missional and demonstrating their Christian beliefs more than if I made them come to church. The lifestyle that you've given them, different environments as they've been growing up, is going to produce young people who know that it's okay to explore. They've seen you exploring. Yes, they have. Your vocation. They know it's okay to think things through and decide whether it's for them. Simon, you and Tasha, with your family of four, moving to the Isle of Man must have been really quite an upheaval, leaving behind two sets of parents, yours and Tasha's parents, and moving a family over here. So why? We knew that where we were 
was a fantastic place, fantastic parish, great ministry, growing church, doing really well. But I'm not just a, a minister to a congregation and a minister to a parish. I'm also a minister to my family. And as well as they were doing, we, we had a child who was assaulted. We had a child who had been threatened. They all had their challenges living in that area and they weren't happy. Not miserable, but they weren't happy. And actually, I needed my family to be happy. And this place was somewhere that we absolutely fell in love with ourselves. We knew we needed to give a really positive, safe environment to do the rest of their growing up in, if you like, a safe place for them to come back to. And this this island, it's, it's just beautiful. It's safe. And the people are an absolute joy. And what a better place for our children to call their home and for us to call our home. And actually, my ministry, God calls me to to wherever he calls me to. And uh, definitely, I feel called to to minister to the parishes of Arbury and Castletown, but also to the island. And it's just an amazing place to, to be doing that ministry. But it also means my family are so, so happy. Now we feel this is the long term isn't it definitely yeah. we love this place it fits everything that we love the outdoors and and being around people and community but it's also just makes us almost tear up when we look at how beautiful this place even looking out a grey window today it's a, just such a stunning beautiful place to be Christ has no did Reverend Simon Archer become known as far afield as the United States as the gaming vicar? And I should perhaps just add here that we're talking about video gaming. And as with many things, it grew out of the pandemic. We found out that we were going to need to close our church buildings. And I had three days to work out how I was going to be able to bring ministry to people. So it wasn't gaming, first of all. It was uh, just working out how to use broadcasting software. I set up a small chapel in my study and being able to live stream services. So that developed a little bit and we started to do more services online when all the church buildings were closed. And I realised that there's a lot of people out there who play games, chat or play video games, and then talk to a community at the same time as they're playing them. And I'd never really understood it at first, but I kind of got more into it as I understood it was all about the community, not necessarily about the game. I was always interested in the kind of wide breadth of people that were involved in this chat that goes on around it, which happens through sort of usually sort of text. And I'd played some games online with people. I grew up in the 80s, so I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to video games anyway. So I used to play online with a few people and, and talk to them and chat to people. But yeah, I, I realised I could do this streaming thing and maybe there was people I could speak to out there because lots of people come into these chat rooms with issues, questions. They want to discuss something quite important, quite serious, or they want to celebrate something. And I just thought, well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll try it myself. 
So I started streaming, had a few people watching, and then it grew a little bit more and then a bit more. I'd be playing games with people that I, I knew, and then I'd have these people chatting away and talking to me and asking me questions. I'd have opportunities for people to ask for prayer and always linked to church, and I'd always wear my collar because people can see you. I was always a priest playing a video game, and it kind of it snowballed a bit, really. It was in the local newspaper, and then BBC wanted to write something about it for BBC Click, their digital news stories. So when that article finally came out and end up live on BBC News then by the next weekend I think before my eight o'clock service I'd had 17 18 local radio interviews and and then I thought it was pretty much it all over with and before you know it uh, I had uh, CBS wanting to do a piece which I, I remember someone saying I've just seen you on TV in Miami it was just really crazy really strange but it was all talking about faith it wasn't me preaching at people it was me playing games and chatting to people real life stuff their hard times to their celebrations from talking about grief and loss to someone who's got a new job to celebrate it together as a community and the things that we couldn't really do when covid was at its worst and people were stuck at home me who knows little or nothing about gaming think about people getting together and playing what can be really quite violent games yep. but the idea of having really serious conversations alongside this that is the thing that that to me is quite a surprise i think what it reminds me of how food is a social leveler so it's the idea you sit around a table and you and you eat together and actually different backgrounds and and classes if you like but different backgrounds interests and things could gather around a table and eat and conversation would just happen naturally because you've almost got that distraction of food and I, th- I think it's a lot like that people aren't entirely necessarily focused on the game that might be something you're all interested in so you start with this common interest but uh, the conversation is just normal conversations you'll be talking about football about family you might be talking about some piece of news that happened and it's just general conversation and you do that whilst you're playing the game now with the streaming again it's the same sort of thing they weren't all violent games either there's some shooters as they're called but it would be like you could play any sort of game and people just hang out with you they're interested in the game and what you think of it and what you're playing and what you're doing at the moment that's background to the other conversations that happen it's really the reason to be together and to be in this virtual circle if you like I thought I'd hear more about playing some shooting games and how was that appropriate for a vicar. But actually, do you know what? A lot of people just appreciated that there was someone there. You've got to be where people are and people are online playing video games. Millions and millions of people. And if the church isn't where people are, where are they? There has to be traditional church, the services following the established patterns. There has to be that. But do you still keep an online presence going? When we reopened churches, things became really busy because we didn't really set aside anything we'd started up during the lockdown. And then we we took back to doing all the things we were doing before. So if anything, it was harder and, and busier. So I did take quite a break, but it's something that I'll continue doing. I'm interested in producing other content as well. And the biggest thing I think I'll do, probably some online streaming and some videos that I release every now and again. So I do some short one minute videos, really just shouting out about all the amazing good things that churches already do. I love being a parish priest, the most amazing, biggest privilege. I'm, I'm incredibly blessed to be able to do that. I'd never want to do anything else. But I think churches are really bad at telling the brilliant things they are already doing because out of some kind of humility but actually we do need to tell people what we're doing and churches do some amazing things across the island and there's some amazing priests and ministers and pastors and we need to let people know that we're doing these things so you see developing an online presence as being very much a part of your ministry it it will continue to be and it will grow a little bit but i also want to help others so i've been talking to other priests and ministers about how perhaps they can improve their presence online as well and get connected to their local communities and wider afield because 
we're not just representing our little patch of Christendom. We're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel into the world. So if it reaches a little bit beyond your borders and your parish boundaries, it doesn't matter. Thank you to my guests, Reverend Simon and Tasha Archer. Simon is the priest in charge of the churches in the Anglican parish of Arbury and Castletown. And Tasha will be joining me on this programme in the new year to talk about her ministry. She already has a particular calling that she's looking forward to developing and sharing here on the island. And we'll be learning more about that in the near future. And the music included in that interview is... Christ has no body now but yours, a setting of the words of St. Teresa of Avila to music by David Ogden and sung this morning by Josh Garrels and the Porter's Gate Music Project. And we end with another packed notice board. Christmas Customs from the Cholock to the Chapel. That's the title of a talk being given by Yvonne Cresswell this Wednesday afternoon, the 29th, in Selby Methodist Church. Starting at 2 o'clock, admission is just £3, including seasonal refreshments. Selby Methodist Church is at the crossroads in the village, just opposite the Selby Glen Hotel. And it's a busy week for Yvonne because the following night, Thursday the 30th, she'll be in Port St Mary Methodist Church for their Tabor on Thursday themed night. Starting at half past seven, Yvonne Creswell will be talking about 120 years of Mount Tabor. You're most welcome to contribute your own photos and memorabilia, but these do need to be handed in before Thursday evening. Admission is £7, including bacon baps and tea or coffee. Booking is essential and you can do it by phoning or texting 483-096-483-096 or email Thursday at gmail.com. Put Christmas on your Christmas tree. That's the invitation to all primary school children, their parents and carers. After school this Friday, you're welcome to pop into St Paul's Church Hall in Ramsey any time between 4pm and 6pm. There'll be refreshments and everything you need to make Christmas characters that you can take home and put on your tree. Everyone's welcome, it's all free and it'll be fun for all ages. It's nearly Christmas at Orisdale Chapel. That's on the Loop Road just outside Kirkmichael. And they're celebrating with a special night this Friday, December the 1st. It starts at half past six. Gordon Clegg is the chairman, Eric Kelly the organist, and William Christian will talk about sheep farming at Ellerslie. Admission is free, but donations of food to share would be most welcome. 
Sandygate Chapel on the Jerby Road invite you to their Christmas Tree Festival. It's this Saturday, the 2nd of December, open from 10am to 2pm. Admission is free and in addition to the trees, there'll be a tabletop sale, a raffle, Christmas cards to buy and festive refreshments. Also, next Saturday, the 2nd, there's a Christmas coffee morning with stalls, crafts, cakes and a raffle in the lounge at Colby Methodist Church. It'll be open from 10am until 12 noon and there'll be refreshments including croissants and mince pies. Everyone's welcome to come and join in the fun. And speaking of fun, next Saturday, being the first Saturday of the month, means the Glen May Christmas Craft Market will be open from 11am to 4pm in Glen May Chapel and Community Centre. As usual, there'll be homemade produce and handicrafts all by local artists. Entry is free with homemade light lunches, including bacon baps, on sale. And we'll finish with a look ahead to two events next Sunday, December the 3rd. Meadowside Choral Society celebrate Advent at the Howe Methodist Chapel. That's next Sunday at half past six. The service will be followed by refreshments. There's no charge, just a warm welcome for all. Also next Sunday, 3rd of December, at half past six, there'll be an Advent carol service in Kirkmichael Methodist Church, a sequence of music and readings by candlelight to mark the beginning of the season of Advent. The music will be from the Balagheri Ladies Ensemble, conducted by Gareth Moore, with soloist Mandy Griffin. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge, tonight at nine, with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and your dedications. And I'd love you to join me if you can. So, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening. And I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week. And a very good morning. Mm-hmm.